Pack your bags, start the car, and get on the road. It's time to go across the country two minutes at a time for the biggest stories of the day where they're happening. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Indianapolis, Indiana. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Cleveland, Ohio. Boston, Mass. Miami, Florida. It's the two-minute drill on the program. Second half of the program begins right now. The two-minute drill. We go around the country two minutes at a time talking to the people covering the stories where they're happening. It's brought to you by Joslin's Jewelry, Kansas City's best for more than 40 years. More than 100,000 repairs done, check. Uh, more than 1,000 engagement rings to choose from, check. They are your mom and pop jeweler. Kansas City's best, most knowledgeable jeweler is Gary Joslin and Joslin's Jewelry. Uh, check them out online at joslinsjewelry.com. In person, see those scintillating, beautiful diamonds at uh, 95th and Metcalf. It's Joslin's Jewelry, uh, online at joslinsjewelry.com. Let's get things started in North Carolina. Charlotte, to be precise, we begin with Travis Hancock, WFNZ in Charlotte. Travis, how are you, sir? Hey, man, what's happening? Hope you're doing well yourself. We're doing great, uh, doing better than Kyle Filipowski, injured in a court-storming incident at Wake Forest. Listen, I think this kind of... It's like politics. If you've been anti-court storming, you're still anti-court storming. If you were like, oh, it's just college kids having fun, you're probably still in the same spot. Or am I wrong? Is the ACC at least considering any kind of rules to prohibit this? Well, they're the, they're the one conference that doesn't have a fine for court storming. I don't, I don't know if that does anything or what you can do. Look, I, I, the court storming is not the problem. It's the timing of the court storm. Wait for it handled it terribly. We've seen Florida State in a number of storms against Carolina and over the years. I mean, they've got ropes over there. I mean, they've got a whole system. Wake Forest, I don't know how they were not more prepared for it. Uh, they let the kids on the court with 0.7 seconds to go. The first kids hit the court. So it's not the storm. I think there's got to be a, a clock, a timer. Give the, give the student athletes and the referees and the coaches, give them 10, 15, 20 seconds something to get out of the way because this is going to turn into a major disaster at some point, whether it's a confrontation that gets physical between a fan and a player, like like really physical, or God forbid a student falls and gets run over, or, you know, this is just it's, it's, it's trending in the wrong direction. I understand it's part of the game, but it feels like we're going somewhere in this day and age that that we don't want to go. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not anti the kids having fun, but you got to make sure that everybody essential to the game is off the court away for us quite frankly uh, did not do a good job of that uh, no they did a horrible job of it in fact the only time you see the security is the guy pointing him in the direction and waving them forward I, I, listen <laughs> yeah, you're correct yeah. if you're Filipowski and you end up being and I'm, I'm gonna ask you here in a second how injured he is but if you are injured and this affects your draft status I'm suing Wake Forest yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a good point. That's what I mean. Like, hey, man, what if he, what if he's got to move in a certain direction and his ACL goes, right? That's not what happened here. But also it came out today that, you know, as you can imagine here, there's a lot of vitriol that goes towards Duke and blame goes towards Filipowski for not moving right or, you know, tripping a play. A lot of that stuff goes towards Duke. I heck, it was on CBS uh, News this morning. It was the main story about the court storm. So uh, also it came out today that Jared McCain of Duke was confronted by a fan uh, and not, and he defend wouldn't move and let him by. Mark Mitchell had the same thing. So while we're focused on Filipowski, I guess a little bit somewhere in the mix, two Duke players were being confronted by Wake fans and really not 
allowed to, to move out of the way freely. So it was a it was a disaster, maybe worse than we even know what it was. Yeah, no, I, I listen. I'll give some more thoughts on it. We haven't really gotten to it yet today, but we're going to talk about it after this. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. All right, do we have any more details on how injured Filipowski is? No, there's no details. It's a uh, okay. status to be determined thing. I think that he's. I think he's going to be okay, but I don't know if he'll play against Louisville. It's going to be one of those. They also had Caleb Foster sprain his ankle in the game, but that got lost in the in the sauce of, of all the other stuff. And now Philipowski, I don't think it's anything that's detrimental to the season, but you know, not any. And, and you know, you follow the sport. You don't want anybody injured going towards March. So uh, it's just it's not ideal. It's unfortunate, and it's an avoidable thing to happen. So that that's what. That's what sucks about it. This this whole thing can be avoided when a player has to dodge a thousand fans uh, running right at him. Yeah, no, I, I, I think it's a completely asinine, to be honest with you. And they're lucky it wasn't worse, and it will be worse because nothing's going to happen. I'll be honest with right. you. It, it's going to happen again, and it's going to continue to get worse. And, uh, you know, it's going to take something clearly tragic uh, before somebody actually does something on that front. Uh, how good is Duke? Are they a threat to win it all? Uh, it's weird. The other day, for the metrics, that was their best offensive game of the year and their worst defensive game. Uh, Wake Forest is undefeated at home. They're tough, man. You saw it the other day. Uh, Duke, Duke can get there, but I think that's, you know, in this day and age, it, it, it's, it's so wide open. It's all matchup-based. If Duke gets a physical team that wears Filipowski out of the defensive end, uh, like Tennessee did last year, it's going to be a problem. If Duke gets in a wide-open game, that's a lot of guard plays, a lot of threes, free-flowing, free I think Duke can go far. It's just, it's just going to be about the matchups that they get. They could be out of the second round. They could get matchups and go all the way to the Final Four. They never replaced the rim protection presence of Derek Lively last year. Uh, they tried in the portal. But what that means now is that Filipowski has to play the five on defense. And like you saw against UNC in the first game, uh, if you wear him out on defense, it can affect his offense. And I think that's what's the worry about is the Filipowski get worn down defensively, having to bang down low with some, with some big, however many bigs are left in college basketball. And does that wear, like if he has to face Zach Eady or something like that, and then he's got to go play offense, those type of matchups, the physical, aggressive teams would be a problem. But if they don't get those and it's free-flowing, I think Duke's got a chance to go uh, pretty far. It's just all about matchups, especially for them right now. North Carolina beat up on Virginia Tech. They beat Virginia by 10, which is the same as winning by 40 because of how bad Virginia is offensively. It would take them a year yeah. uh, to make up a 10-point <laughs> deficit. Uh, but North Carolina is still in the top 10. How big a threat are they to win it all? Uh, yeah, no, I, I have a better feel for who they are than with Duke. I think that as long as they keep Baycott involved and they stop the dribble drive on, on defense, they have a, they can beat anybody. The games they've lost, Georgia Tech, Syracuse, Villanova early was one where they just have a guy on the other team. They just can't stop from dribble penetration and they just get whatever they want. When they commit to defense at the guard spot and they involve Baycott offensively, because there's the times this year where Baycott's begging for the basketball and they just don't even look his way. When he's involved and he's feeling like he's one of the best players in the sport, they're one of the best teams. But, you know, they could get in a game where <laughs> they decide they're not going to Baycott. So I think that they're further ahead than Duke. I would trust them more right now in who they are. But they're, they're also, much like everybody else, you know, they could have a game where 
you know, some, a guard just carves them up. So it, it's one of the most – I tell you, I know you love the sport too. I, when we get brackets this year, I don't know how we're going to figure this out because this is going to be insane this year in trying to figure out who these teams are at this point. All right, uh, great stuff as always. Travis Hancock there in Charlotte, North Carolina. We appreciate it, buddy. Have yourself a great week. You too. Thank you so much. Zach Krantz, 560 WQAM in Miami, Florida. Zach, how are you, sir? I'm doing terrific. How are you guys doing? Uh, doing well. Xavier Howard uh, released. Jalen Ramsey, uh, the Dol- what uh, former Chiefs legend. Um, God, what was that edge from Oklahoma State? Uh, uh, Agba. Be- er, Agba, Emmanuel Agba. Emmanuel Agba. Uh, he was here for like five minutes, I think, played in like four games. Actually played well, then got hurt, uh, and then left town. But uh, listen, is the window closing already for Miami, or are we uh, not that concerned with what all they're, uh, they're, they're now losing? Well, I think there's a one-year window, and I think that they're making some salary cap cuts. Damon Howard, like you said, Agba, like you said, to try to make sure that they could re-sign possibly Christian Wilkins and maybe give that big extension uh, to Tua in this offseason just to make sure they're underneath. But, yeah, this is it. This is I think this is the one year coming up, 2024, where they're going to be all in again and then after that have to deal with all the salary cap ramifications of giving all these guys big money the last couple of years. So window closing, uh, yes. Window closed, not just yet, but very close to it. Yeah, and, and I mentioned Jalen Ramsey. I mean, how much do they think they can get out of him? I mean, he's more expensive to cut than keep. I, th- I threw him in there with Xavier Howard because they're both getting up there in years. But how much do they think is left in the tank, and do they regret making that move? No, I don't think they regret making that move. I think they regret having Vic Fangio coach him last year because Vic Fangio had a certain style for him and not let him kind of you know, be loose around the ball and do everything. I think he's going to move into more of a kind of hybrid cornerback slash safety this year and be all over the place. Uh, and then after that, if the window is closed on the team, I'm sure Jalen Ramsey will be a casualty at that point also. But I feel like this year is going to be a year where you see Jalen Ramsey all over the, the back, all over the field. Um, and that's the way they're going to try to use him. I think the, the, the opposite way that Big Fangio does. Uh, you do expect, though, Christian Wilkinson to be uh, kept. I do. I, I feel like no matter what, he's going to get franchised, and uh, he'll be either one year on the team or he'll somehow sign an extension. I thought that window might be closed on the extension because the talks the last two years have went kind of nowhere. But if they could somehow bring him back on that franchise tag, give him that big ball, bag of cash that he wants, and then make him happy somehow, maybe he's back past this. But one year past that, I can't say it. And then what are we hearing? Do we got any numbers that we're hearing on a Tua contract? Uh, well, that's the uh, the big question at this point. I think that a lot of people down here, it's really 50-50. You go to like 10 different people, you get 10 different answers on two and what they think you should be paid. I think they're going to let him play on this fifth-year option that's going to be about a 22 or $23 million cap hit and then go from there. If they give him an extension before that, I would be a little bit surprised. But with this Dolphins front office, I, you know, I've learned not to be too surprised all the time. Uh, Jimmy Butler, one of three Heat players suspended while they're uh, sitting there right now uh, below the line uh, to where they uh, have to play uh, in the play-in games if that were to happen this weekend. Uh, why, why is this team not better in the regular season? They seem to be able to look so good in the postseason but don't seem, seem to be able to get through the regular season uh, up towards the top of the standings. Why? Yeah, I, I don't know. That's a great question because last year they pretty much uh, got into that playoff, uh, the play-in, and they got lucky because they lost that first playing game. They almost 
lose that second one to get actually into the tournament. Uh, yeah, that's been the kind of case here the last couple of years here with the Heat team. As long as they get in and they can get above that Mendoza line when it comes to making the playing game, they're going to be dangerous. But they have to be in that playing once again. You just never know what can happen there. And I don't know why this team is like that. Because once they're in the tournament, they're a team you definitely don't want to play because of the way they play defense. But they have to get there first. And that's been really the, the problem the last now year and a half, almost two years. All right, last question. Lionel Messi, is the hype still there in Miami? Yeah, I think it is, but I think it's died off just a tiny bit. When it first happened and was first around here, I think it was absolutely ridiculous. You still can't get a ticket. If you wanted to come down here, it would still cost an arm and a leg to get a ticket. But I do think the buzz has kind of not fallen off totally, but it's fallen off a little bit for right now. Probably when they win some games and he has some big highlights that will come up again. But as long as his last name is still messy and the Miami News is going to report on it, He's still going to be decent news down here, especially now with football kind of in the background and basketball and hockey and baseball kind of starting up. All Messi has to do is score a couple of goals, and he'll be top headline every day. Zach Krantz in Miami. Great stuff as always, buddy. Appreciate it. Have a great week. Always always good to come on with you guys. Yep. This is where we find Aton Shander, Fox 29, and the Philly Voice in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Aton, how are you, my friend? Fantastic. Serenity for you all and everyone out there as well. Uh, shocking. Uh, A.J. Brown managed to get himself uh, into the news, calling and saying that he's not unhappy in Philadelphia and that he wants to be there. Um, you buy that? Yes, because I know where this whole thing came from. It came from a producer slash co-host. Here's where it came from, Seren. Remember the whole Trey Turner standing ovation thing that happened with the Phillies last year? The same guy on WIP, Jack Fritz, who made national headlines, he started this rumor. He didn't even start a rumor. He asked on Twitter as the producer of a, one of these shows on, on a local station here if the Eagles should trade A.J. Brown. And that ignited a forest fire. People were using it as content. Lazy hosts on the radio who can't do the PM drive were using it to fill four hours on a Saturday morning. People were writing columns in the Inquirer. This was all about nothing. At no point was A.J. Brown ever, even privately, confronted. It was just a hypothetical that blew up. So I actually applaud. I spoke about this this morning on 29. I applauded A.J. for doing this because in Philadelphia, if you don't at least attempt to control your own narrative, nonsense can start. And next thing you know, you got some bozo on Fox Sports 1 coming out and saying stuff. Uh, Is Jalen Hurts uh, a leader on this team or is he just the quarterback on this team? Well, now you got something here, right? Because... Derek Gunn, who is one of the most respected reporters, and that's G-U-N-N, in the country, let alone here in Philadelphia, came out and said there were some issues. And, and there were some issues as far as Jalen Hurts trying to live up to his contract internally and frustrations with leadership. And, look, this is not Carson Wentz. Let's stop right there. He's not going to be on a new team in two years because nobody likes the guy in the locker room. But, but, but. There are guys in the NFL who have fiery personalities. I don't care if you're A.J. Brown or if you're Travis Kelsey. Guys get fired up. And when they see the leader kind of just chill and be that rock but also don't really jump up, it's still and filth when they went on that stick. You, you, not everybody's Eli Manning, Seren, who could just have the same face the whole time and win two Super Bowls. There was frustration internally with Jalen Hurts' ability to lead. It's not as bad as it was with Nick Sirianni, but it can't be swept under the rug. 
All right, uh, tell me the uh, Philadelphia 76ers Not, I don't want to. I, I, I'd have to go back and look at where they were. I, I would have thought they'd have been be uh, below the uh, the play in game line already. They're not. They're still above it, but by only a game and a half ahead of the uh, team that's holding right. down number seven at number five. Uh, do we have any idea on when Embiid's going to be back? And do you think there's any shot they stay above the line? Uh, let's answer the first question. It looks like I would say the last week of the regular season is probably best scenario here, maybe a couple of days before that, and then you just hope and pray that he can get back. He's not going to be in, but get back into game shape. But that's not really his M.O., you know, coming back from injury, being in pristine shape by all means. As far as the team itself, Seren, they are atrocious without Joel Embiid. And rightfully so, because he's the MVP. I get it. But they are so bad. It pains me to see Tyrese Maxey suffer amongst so much bad talent. They probably will hover around the playing game. The only saving grace they have is, like with Cleveland the other night, a good team comes into town and says, ah, all right, we can go through the motions here. We can take a night off or guys shit. Not every night there's going to be a former coach looking to be a spiteful and, and blow you out of the building. Yeah, well, we'll find out. Uh, Whit Merrifield is a Philly. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all yeah. fixed now, right? The championship is there. You ready to hoist the hardware? I have the script right here in front of me. It says wit, and that's the only thing. You know what I love about Merrifield, too, is, is right. And look, this isn't a knock on anywhere he's been or anything along those lines. I think it's just highlighting how much fun it is to be a Philadelphia Philly right now. But there's just so much joy, and I think there's so much positivity. And it's not like with every team, you know, the Marlins or, you know, the Nationals, everybody's got positive. No, no, no. I mean, this is something that carries over. These guys are truly just having fun out there from the gestures to the songs to the little things that they do. And, you know, they recognize that Whit Merrifield's going to be an impact player on this team right away. And, and I think that welcoming him in meant, like, it's not fun in Philadelphia. Well, the Flyers are okay. They're good. They're going to make the playoffs. But the Phillies are fun. And I think Whit Merrifield fits in perfectly. Yeah, uh, there's no doubt. They're, they are a fun team. And uh, hopefully they'll do some damage this year. Uh, Aton, you always do damage. Always bring it strong. We appreciate it. Thanks so much for the time, buddy. Have yourself a great week. Anytime, brother. Thank you, Sir. Well, we flew through Cincinnati and we all got really happy. Mo Egger, ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati, Ohio is next. Mo, how are you, sir? Saran, I am great, man. What's going on? Well, a little bit of disappointment, but not really. We knew T. Higgins was going to get franchised. But you can dream a dream, right, if you're a greedy pig like Chiefs fans have become with all the success they've had. Uh, This was never in doubt, was it, that T. Higgins was going to get the tag? No. Uh, This was a foregone conclusion. I think it's a foregone conclusion that he plays for the Bengals. In 2024, as much as uh, I think a lot of folks will try to make the argument that they would be best, you know, trying to figure out a a way to trade them and get something in return. The reality is this team three years ago, uh, they sort of made it known how they want to build their team, right? They took Jamar Chase instead of Kanae Sewell when they already had T. Higgins in tow. And it worked, right? It worked. They made the Super Bowl that year. And so their core... The, the, the heart of what they want to be is a team that's great on the outside offensively. It probably won't happen long-term with the, but it's going to happen in 2024. Yeah. Uh, what about Tyler Boyd? What's his future? My guess is he has played his last game in the Bengals. You know, they took two wide receivers in last year's draft. I don't think 
either was taken with the idea that they were going to supplant T. Higgins, but I think they feel between Charlie Jones, Andre Yoshibosh, and maybe some of the initiators draft that they can find someone to fill Tyler's role. Uh, if it's me, I'm trying to figure out a way to do it because I still feel like in the role that they want him to be in, uh, he could still be a productive player. But, you know, this is probably his last chance at not a huge contract, but it's, you know, kind of dictating what he's going to make. And so my guess is he has played his last game in a, in a strike home. What was the uh, What was the opinion of how Orlando Brown turned out at left tackle? Okay. Wasn't great. Wasn't awful. He, he sort of played like everybody else on the offensive line. You know, we went into the season going, okay, Orlando Brown is probably a better option with, than what the Bengals had at left tackle last year, which meant they were going to slide Jonah Williams over to right tackle, and he was definitely going to be a better option than what they had at right tackle the previous season. But that unit top to bottom probably had a pretty low ceiling but a higher floor. I think that's exactly what happened. This was not a great offensive line. It also wasn't a, a, a huge weakness. And, and I, I think one of the things to try to figure out about this team this year, if you assume that the line is basically going to remain intact with the exception of replacing Jonah Williams now right tackle because he's a free agent, how do you maximize your potential offensively if your offensive line ceiling isn't very high? Orlando Brown was fine. Um, I think what was frustrating about the offensive line this year is they had remarkable health at that position group. The same group played all 17 games, started all 17 games, uh, and yet uh, the team, obviously we know what happened to it. But, yeah, Orlando Brown was fine. Did, did he play like a $64 million offensive line? No. But was he, at any point, did fans grumble about how the left tackle wasn't doing his job? No, that didn't happen either. It sounds like you think Jonah Williams will be on the way out, right? They don't let him get to this point unless they're ready to move on, or no, could there still be an about face? My guess is Jonah has played his last game in a Bengals uniform, and and I I think if you look at the draft this year, that's where the conversation is going to begin because according to so many evaluators, it's such a deep, deep group of tackles. I think the question is, Let's say they take a tackle with the 18th overall pick. Is that guy starting week one, or are they finding, you know, a less expensive veteran to hold down the place before the the rookie is ready? But uh, I, I think, you know, there was an argument that some would make for franchise tagging Jonah Williams. I don't think that was ever a, a realistic possibility. I think uh, I think first of all he wants to go play left tackle. I think he's going to get chances to go play left tackle. And, that's not going to happen in Cincinnati. Yeah. All right. Uh, and DJ Reader, does he get tagged? What, what's the future of DJ Reader, the outstanding defensive interesting. tackle? Yeah, interesting guy because, you know, he's been so important to what they've done. And I, I think there was every expectation that he was going to be due for a, a pretty nice contract. But he got injured week 15, a significant injury, an injury to his quad that I think might compromise his availability for week one. And so – Unfortunately for DJ, it probably shrinks the market for him. Fortunately for the Bengals, it might make it easier for them to bring him back on the, quote, one-year prove-it deal. So I think he's interesting. I think regardless of what happened with him, that's where they have to show the most improvement in 2024. The interior of their defensive line has to be better. It's got to be better if DJ's here. And if he's not here, well, then you're probably going to have to go get multiple players at that position because even with him, that unit wasn't very good. But unfortunately for him, when he got carted off in that game uh, right before Christmas, my first thought was, well, there go the hopes of him getting a multi-year contract that he's looking for. You hate it for him, 
but it might make it more likely that he's back in Cincinnati, so it's good for the team. Yeah, yeah, that's a uh, big picture. Uh, it's not the way you wanted it to go, but if in the end it ends up working out, then uh, everybody will be satisfied, and certainly everybody is satisfied with one of the best young talents uh, in baseball, and Ellie De La Cruz. Reds getting above 500. Is this the year they kick down the door of the playoffs? Should be. Uh, if the starting pitching is even league average, I think this team is going to score enough runs. Uh, they should find themselves in the postseason. And, and to me, that's the biggest question, right? I mean, last year they went 82 games and the starting staff was terrible. Uh, there's no other putting, there's no other way around it. Um, they have a lot of options, you know, from, from the guys who were here last year, Hunter Green, Nick Lodolo, uh, Graham Ashcraft, to, you know, Frankie Montas, who they signed as a free agent, to Nick Martinez, who's, who's in the mix here, uh, in, in spring training. The, the reality is, uh, injury history and lack of experience outweigh anything these guys have done collectively. And even when the guys who missed time last year came back and threw, you know, Hunter Green the last two months of the season, his ERA was over six. So I think this team will score. I think this team can score in a variety of ways. They've got a lot of positional depth. What we don't know about is the starting staff. I think their bullpen has a chance to be a strength this year. Uh, and look, it's the National League Central where it doesn't feel like anybody's really capable of running away with it. And so, you know, it could be a season where 88 wins does it if this team's starting pitching is better. And it's going to have to be significantly better. Uh, but if it's better, they have a chance to be that team. All right, and finally, expectations for FC Cincinnati. I know they've got the Conf- uh, CONCACAF Champions Cup that they're playing in. They draw in the first match with uh, Toronto. Uh, what a great story. They, they were fantastic uh, last year. Well, what are the expectations for this year? Bigger and better? Bigger and better, obviously, with the the caveat being Lionel Messi is going to play the entire season at Major League Soccer, which has made Miami the, the, the prohibitive favorite. It's not exactly the same team that comes back from last year. You know, Brandon Vasquez is the franchise's all-time leading scorer. He's no longer with FC Cincinnati, but it's a full year of Aaron Bupenza. It's a team that was, at times last year, an absolute goal-scoring machine. I think they have the best goalkeeper in Major League Soccer, and Roman Celentano, who was terrific yesterday in the, in the scoreless draw. Uh, the expectations are massive, and they should be. They came this close after winning the Supporters' Shield. They came this close playing in the MLS Cup Final. Blew that 2 nothing lead to the team that eventually won it, uh, Columbus. I, I think you're going to hear a lot this year about how they've been fueled by that uh, by that failure. But, you know, also, look, it's, uh, there's a lot to build on with this team. A lot of good uh, in their prime talent, terrific coaching staff, finally alignment with the front office and the coaching staff, which they did not have in the first couple of years of, of being a Major League Soccer franchise. I feel like when you're handicapping the, the race for the Eastern Conference, you can't do it without talking about the team that uh, put up the most points in the league last year, and that's obviously FC Cincinnati. Skyline Chili fanatic Mo Egger. It's true. You can look it up. It's on his Twitter page. <laughs> uh, always appreciate the time. We'll let you get back to flipping bats, my friend. There you go, man. Thanks. All right, the good sense. End of the hour answer since 2000. How many teams have beaten the AP number one by 15, then lost to an unranked team by 10 in back-to-back games? Uh, well, that'd be Creighton, right? Mm-hmm. Losing to or beating Connecticut, beating, beating UConn, and then losing to Colonel Sanders, mm-hmm. aka <laughs> Rick Bettino. Did you see the white suit? Oh, uh-uh. the he's all white suit. Oh my! He gosh. brought it back. He hadn't worn that since oh. wool. Um, 
Yeah, he wore an all-white suit. Wasn't quite um, Kurt Russell wearing the white shoes. No. And it seems like old times. Oh, right, yeah. Well, that's a good reference. Uh, underrated movie, by the way, people. Very much that so. was always He always brought that up for Louisville, Kentucky, I think. There's his annual... Yeah, Colonel Sanders, KFC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks. Hot tip. So what was it again for us rudely since, interrupted? Since 2000, how many teams have done that? Beaten an AP number one by 15, then lost an unranked team by 10, and back-to-back games. One. Actually, two. Oh, okay. The other, you got to go way back to earlier this year when Nebraska beat Purdue, then lost to Iowa. It has happened twice in 24 years. Both times have been this past month. Wow. Is that just whack? It's a small sample size, obviously, but does that say something about this year? Does it say something about the state of Nebraska? <laughs> Both schools? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good From point. Nebraska. Yep. They celebrate, eat too much corn, and lose the next game. Um, although uh, the mayor is going to put the Huskers in the tournament this year, it looks like. I, I don't. They're not even close to the bubble like they're securely they could still crap the bed and and but they're securely like on that eight line right now i think <laughs> they're lines that aren't set often securely on the eight on the line eight well i just line. mean securely yeah. in that like i'm just saying if, if a team's on the eight line in most bracketologies they're, they're in on the bubble out. they're in i i object okay I, I object to that. Like you're, well, that changes everything. Well, <laughs> well what you would object, what you would object to would be that a team is sec- ever securely on the eight line. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, if, I think if you could lock him in, you're say, currently if you're on the eight, there. you're not securely anywhere. Yeah, or, but I think you're a team that can, yeah, dive, to drop three, four games in a row, and yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah there's four games. I think left they're in going to make it because hard. I don't think the Big Ten is good enough. Yeah, I, I haven't looked at their schedule and what they have left, but I, I assume they'll do some damage in the in Big Ten tournament, and I think they will make it. They're, I think, they're approaching. I actually randomly looked at their standings today. They're they're approaching the double by. They're five. They're one or one or one and a half behind Northwestern for the double by. And they only have three left. Uh, good sense. We were playing for goodsensesubs.com is where you can put your order in. But Fat- I do get what you're saying. If you are on the eight, you're securely there, but. <laughs> That was bold. You are at a chance of, of anyway, so as I was really saying, falling apart. Oh, that was pretty bold. You don't usually get... So as I was saying, good sense, founded in the next of Kansas. I thought you were done, sir. <laughs> you often order in tonight on, in the middle of a sentence, don't you? On goodsensesubs.com. Really? Uh, it's good sense. So thrilled to yes. be sponsoring this segment right here. Uh, it's just Everyone, the apple of their eye. He, people right are at, at the good sense across the way listening to us, looking at each other, going, seriously? Right? This? Uh, Put the paddle down, sir, and I'm sorry. Yeah. I didn't mean it. The, we, uh, uh, by the way, it's just, just a, three, three left. So Nebraska would really have to tank it in the last three. To what are the last three? At Ohio State, home for Rutgers, at Michigan. So two on the road. At Ohio State. Um, just as pulled has, off a, well, since they've gone to the interim coach, yeah. that annoying guard they had, who's now coaching them. What the hell is that guy's name? 
Diebler. John Diebler. Thank you. Diebler was so annoying as a player. Uh, but he's doing a hell of a job of getting him yep. turned around. They got a big one yesterday. Got a big one against Michigan State, and they took down Purdue earlier. Yep. So um, Purdue's weird, though. Purdue is weird. That, this that this is year is weird. Every single, they're all weird. They're, they're like that, yeah. It's, a lot of people are like Purdue. Purdue will, will lose some game. You're like, I can't believe Purdue. Then the, the next week, it's like, they're, they're one? How all is right. that possible? Let's talk about the biggest story of the weekend, right? That is the court storming. Mm-hmm. I think people who've heard this program know where we all stand on it. I think yes. it's absolutely preposterous. I love it. Oh, oh no. <laughs> no, I, I don't, actually. I think it's preposterous that there is an area that you are breaking the law if you walk out onto it mm-hmm. during the course of the game, and you will be arrested. But as soon as the game is over, have at it. Like I think that's... Yeah, the minute the horn sounds, or even maybe a few seconds before... And we have said forever that people are going to get hurt. We've had Caitlin Clark knocked off her feet. And by the way, it's not these kids these days. It's these people. It's all people. The girl, because they've shown the Caitlin Clark one again, the girl who's running on the, not even watching where she's going, filming herself. Yes. Takes Caitlin Clark off her feet, looks back, sees what she did, like, oh, I ain't got time for that. I got to go get out of here to the party. Yeah. And keeps going. Right? That we had, and we brought this up, what, what was that, four or five weeks ago? Mm-hmm. Whenever it was? Yep. Listen, does Phil Kowski look like he's sticking his leg out to maybe trip somebody? Huh? I think so. Has he got an elbow cocked, like he's looking like he's getting ready to elbow somebody? Yeah, I think so. If you run in the studio in the midst of me having this discussion right now, but we're on the air, there's a decent chance I'm going to cock an elbow and smack you in the face. Like, there are places you're not supposed to be. But it shouldn't take an army of police to tell you not to go where you know you don't belong. Yes. Right? And so, oh, but they're they're just having fun. So is a kid who's drunk, barreling down the street in his car with the music blasting. He's just having fun. He didn't intend to do anything wrong. I, 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 it's like, it's staggering to me, the folks, and I've heard all kinds of things like, you know, frankly, even listening on the drill to uh, Travis Hancock, he said, you know, it's part of the game. No, it, it, it actually is not part of the game. It has literally nothing to do with the game. Yeah. Nowhere in the rules does it say, and then it, upon conclusion of the game, uh, if the home team wins, everybody needs to run out on the floor. It is not part of the game. He also said... It's not the court storming. No, it's absolutely the court storming. Well, what is it then? Well, he's like, well, no, they need to have a clock that counts down so that everybody can get off the floor. You you are not supposed to go on the floor, and they go on the floor anyway. I heard someone tell me yesterday, uh, wh- why is he still on the court? Why isn't he over over off to the side at the end of the game? I was like, what do you mean? Well, what? Why don't they bring? Why is he still in the game? They should bring. They should bring uh, subs in. What? So the the kid off the bench can get drilled, or, or the tenth player in the rotation well, well, gets but, to take one in the face. But if the game's in doubt, you're supposed to put the backups in just in case. Yeah, but what are you telling the guy? Hey, I, I'm with if you. One of these guys gets flattened. It ain't going to be Ryan Filipowski. It's going to be you, Skrabinski. Listen, I am all for. I, I 
I never ran on a court or a field in my college days. Because at Syracuse, we were pretty good, and we expected to win in both sports while I was there. Okay? Mm-hmm. Now, Kansas fans, you know what that's like in basketball. But you're the first guys to run right out there when you beat a four-win team in football and tear the goalpost down. Now, that's changing. Because Lance Leipold, like Jerome Tang, mm-hmm. has set some expectations. Like, we don't need to, you know, yeah. run around like goofs with every win because it's not a no. miracle that we won. As Tang said you get one. Yeah. And and then you move on, which I respect immensely. If you can figure out a way to get the kids off the – to get the players and the cheerleaders off the floor, you know, and, and who are not going to be in harm's way – Fine, do it. If you can get a clock. But if you can get security to hold them back for 60 seconds while you clear the floor, can't you hold them back the whole time? Right? But again, if you want people running around on your court, go ahead and do it. But I'm going to tell you a couple things that I I haven't heard talked about about this situation. Um, Again, did Filikowski... Look like he was had had it. Yes, but they're invading the space that he's supposed to be on. They're not supposed to be there. So I don't have five seconds to entertain anybody's BS about, well, it looked like he was trying to trip somebody. Well, they're bum-rushing the floor, for God's sake. I mean, <laughs> and by the way, has anybody noticed? I don't know, there's dozens of people that fall. Some others that then fall on top of them. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about people running down stands. Like, I, I guarantee you there have been twisted ankles or broken ankles or broken wrists of people tumbling in the stands as they just start shoving their way onto the floor. Now, it doesn't look like anybody was hurt in this Wake Forest thing, but it's like, see all kinds of places where people are going down and falling with just a mob of people coming behind them. It's not safe. There have been numerous trampling incidents at concerts and sporting events around the globe throughout time. And these are not getting... Somebody said, well, I think it's getting better. I don't think it's getting better. I think it's getting worse. Absolutely getting worse. I I don't see where this is getting any better. And I I frankly don't care. I'm not going to run out there. You want to fall on your ass and crack your head or, you know, do whatever? Have at it. But the people that are out there to play their sport, and really now that are frankly employees to ply their craft, Filikowski should be suing Duke and Wake Forest if in any way he thinks he's harmed his draft status. If this injury would be you know, something that affects him moving forward. Because he's paid now to play basketball. Mm-hmm. So he's out there, let's be clear, doing a job. Call it whatever you want, but when he shows up and plays, he gets paid. That's what's happening right now. And there are, and this is the NCAAs. Trust me, the moment the players go, we're unionizing, we're employees, then they have a – if you had electricians out there and that happened, Wake Forest and the people that, that ran into the electrician would have their ass sued. They would have their ass sued off because you have to provide a safe workplace. And this is yet – Reason number 500 million why the NCAA doesn't want to talk about paying players and they want to source it out elsewhere. But then the school wants to control the money. But wait a minute, then we're employing them. And then there's actually real responsibility that you have to take in this country when you employ somebody. So, no, we don't want that. We want no responsibility but all the benefits. We want all the money but none of the responsibility, which is just chaps my ass to the nth degree. It's 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 unreal. It's so ungodly dumb how how that works. But 
fine. You think you can find a way to, to do it and, and run out there and be safe? Go ahead. But in addition to people falling all over the place, there's a kid who goes right to the Duke bench and gets right in the face of one of the Duke coaches, I think. And then somebody comes in, grabs him. I don't know if it's a wake person, a security person, a Duke person, grabs him kind of around the neck and yanks him away. Go back and watch. While they're showing Filikowski up to the top of the screen and to the right, there is a guy who makes a beeline for the Duke bench to start talking trash. So don't tell me it's all just fun. They just want to have fun. No, they don't. Not all of them. Some of them want to go out there and talk some smack because they think they can get away with it. Smug little gutless prick coward. That's all that's going on right there. That's all that's happening. I, I listen. If you can find a way, you want to go have a, you want to go to the mosh pit, go to the mosh pit. But don't come crying when it keeps being more and more and more, and you get trampled. And don't turn around and sue the school if you want to run out there. I don't want to hear about how now Wake Forest. Like, what, what is it going to take a student to get hurt? Because Kaylin Clark got decleated, the best player in women's basketball maybe ever. Got decleated by some fool running out, filming herself running onto the court, and nothing got done. And I've heard, oh, it's only because it's Duke. It's not only because it's Duke. It's because a guy got hurt. Is it magnified because it's Duke? Yes. If it happened in a Holy Cross Eastern Washington game, no. But it was on CBS, right? It was on CBS, wasn't it? Or was it on ESPN? Mm. Can't remember where the game was. Anyway, it happened on national television on one of the biggest games of the weekend. So that's why it's getting... Don't play this down. A bunch of people broke the law, ran onto the court, and injured somebody coming off the court. And if you can't at least say that, then you, you, you have no morals. Like, there are rules about running on the court. Well, it's okay. It's okay because they don't want to pay to stop it. But it's absolutely against the rules. And they say it throughout. Why is when the game's over, it's now okay to run out there? Well, because, well, that's what everybody does. Yes. Basically, they've broken the law long enough, and now nobody cares. I don't care. I'm not going to be out there and get run. You do it. And here's the other thing. I'm not wasting any time taking your calls. Don't call me because I'm not taking your calls because it doesn't matter. Nothing's going to change. Nothing is going to change until somebody is really hurt. And even then, based upon how things work around here these days, isn't anything going to change then either. (laughs) Because people don't care. They just don't care. I got one suggestion. Quick solution. Tase a couple of them running on the court, and it'll stop quickly. I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't get it other than the fact that, hey, we're not supposed to be here, so it's cool. Let's go here. Yeah. But if you want to have people storm your court, do it. But figure out how to get people off the court first. I don't really care. Oh, it's great. Everybody's having a great time. Super. Get the other team off the the floor first. And if you can provide that security, which is, let's be honest, it's just the schools are cheap. Right? I mean, yes. you go to a concert at Arrowhead, they've got enough people to keep people from running around. So hire the security and keep them off the court. And they're like, okay, now come on out there. Which, by the way, 
also, as a sidebar, every grade school, junior high, and high school principal can eat it about how you can't wear your shoes on the floor because we're going to scuff it up. If every college basketball floor is okay to have the whole world come running out there, every assistant principal ever can take a bite. <laughs> every every time I walk in, you can't come on the floor with those shoes. Shut up. Shut up. Stop acting like we're walking out onto, you know, the Mona Lisa's face or something yeah. with your damn gym. If every... College basketball floor is okay to have 5,000 people running on it. You know how they could pay for the security to keep fans off until until all that, all parties have, have cleared? You sell it. You know, if it's a close game against the number five team in the country and your team's up five with a minute left, you go, hey, students, don't forget, 60 seconds after the game ends, storm the floor, brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. <laughs> couple would wander out there still just out of stupidity oh the kid the kids they, they love it it's, by the way can we who cares? point something out can we point something out the kids are not the villains and I, I, it's the dumbass adults that don't yes. have the security the you know they're the cheap ass adults who have made this a thing and i want to be clear because and you brought this up but i think it's an important thing to drive home is that even if, yes, okay, maybe they are just, let's go have some fun. The intent of somebody doesn't matter if the end result is that people get harmed. Like, I, I, I yeah, there's going to be jackasses that, that want to square up with Philip Philipkowski or get in the face of somebody. They're idiots. And, but, yes, most of those people do want to just have fun. But that doesn't take away from the fact that they're doing something that could and probably will someday be harmful. I can give you, I mentioned the drunk driving thing. I can give you a million examples of things that we don't allow as a society, that we have laws that most of the time don't result in an injury. But when they do, we come in and go, well, this isn't good. So unfortunately, no one can do it. You still got to take your shoes off at the damn airport, don't you? Yes. I do. Yes. Belt two. That's, you know, a treat is a fat ass. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I gotta. I, I can't travel. I gotta take little liquids. Well, I mean, everybody's just on the plane to have fun, except for a couple of people. That that whole thing, like, well, almost everybody. Yes, hence every law ever. Right. I mean, murder is only against Teens the law. Teens who drink are just trying to have fun. Doesn't matter. We got to yeah. protect them. It's against the law. If, if, if we, you know, if we didn't have, you know, everybody be murdering everybody all the time. No, it's it's just a few, but it's definitely a law. Uh, who at the first NCAA tournament buzzer beater over a number one seed? Brought to you by Joe's Kansas City Barbecue. 